TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Jared Schroeder is an associate professor of journalism at the SMU Meadows School of the Arts. He's our guest on Ask the Experts. Jared, 25 years ago, social media started. It hardly seems like it's been that long. How has it changed over the last quarter century? It's, I mean, have you guys ever heard of Six Degrees? I mean, it's changed because it went for an, um, an ex- obscure experiment in helping people kind of, I mean, Six Degrees was like uh, that joke about Kevin Bacon where everybody's connected. Like th- that was the idea that we would just be able to connect with each other through our relationships with other people. It's expanded from an experiment to basically a way of life, right? That's quite a shift in the, we it's become basically our information environment like social media is how people understand the world around them in 2022 it's it's wild that uh our generation had to learn can y'all hear me well i can barely hear myself Uh, it's uh it's kind of wild to know that one generation you know was seeing just the birth of this while a whole other generation knows nothing but a world with social media it it seems like it grew and spread really, really quickly um, and continues to do so. When it when we have something like this that is kind of um, continuously evolving, almost like the virus we've been seeing, right, mm-hmm. uh, in more recent terms, how do we grasp it? How do we get a hold of it? How do we control what is being put out onto the Internet? Well, that's, a, I mean, if you've got the answer to that question, there's a bunch of people who would love to talk to you. I mean, that is the, that is the question is, I think the first question before that might be, how much do we want to control it, right? How much should we maybe, like, should we control it? And then we can decide how to do it. Because I think there's all kinds of mechanisms to do it and countries all over the world are doing it. Um, but we're trying to decide how much, I mean, the, the great firewall of China, right? They have, many nations have just flat out banned social media entities or created their own that they can control. We have the first amendment here in the United States that just simply would not allow the government to do that. And so the question of how we would do that gets a lot more complicated for that reason. And so many of these social media companies are based here in this country. And then they, they claim uh, American law and the American constitution protects them as private entities. Yes. I mean, there's, it's not an accident either. I mean, most of these, most of these larger social media, not all of them, but most of the larger social media companies are based here because we the, this, the system that we have provided provides the most protection, uh, not only through the First Amendment, but also through the Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, 
which protects them from liability for how people use their services. So it's a safer environment for them to experiment and to try all the different things that they've been trying over the last 25 years. Is it not wild that, you know, we control the content that we want to put onto the internet, right? We have full control of how, you know, we want to be perceived. We can Photoshop our, our, our photos and videos and, and put that into um, the metaverse. But when we see somebody else using our likeliness, our photos, our content without permission, our permission, that's when people start to kind of seem like they're not okay with what's out on the internet. Um, have we seen this type of behavior anywhere else with any type of other technology like this? How do we, how do we regulate that? That's a, that's a great question too. Um, there, there's a lot there. First of all, when we, when we sign up, many of us probably don't read the whole terms of service agreements, but when you do, if you do, if it ever happens that you do, you are generally giving these services a complete right to use your name, image, and likeness however they want for the rest of the time. Um, even after you cancel the account often, they still have access to whatever you gave them. So we are choosing to not regulate ourselves in a lot of ways. I mean, it's not, maybe that's not the only solution, but we are, we as individuals are making decisions to give up an awful lot of us in the name of doing, I mean, I always ask my students who, how much do you pay per month for Instagram? And they all just look at me, right? Cause they don't pay per month for Instagram. I'm like, no, 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 you're paying. You're just not paying with your money. You're paying with your name, image, and likeness. You, you feed your data into the machine and money comes out the other side for them. It's a pretty good deal. Um, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but it's, it's hopefully related. Yeah, absolutely. What is it about the big four? Let's just talk about Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, and now even TikTok, that there'll be so many people complaining that their voices are silenced on these platforms. So what the American way is to start your own platform. Why do those platforms typically fail? Oh, there's a lot there too. So, I mean, first of all, isn't it odd that we know all these people are complaining that their voices are being silenced? Isn't it like ironic that we heard them say that? So are they really being silenced if we hear them complaining they're being silenced? So there's that. The people who are being silenced, theoretically, we would not be able to hear them. But um, they have tried to create, even Google unsuccessfully tried to create a social media tool. And it just seems like it's really hard to get into the market when what you're providing is like community that's your product in some ways that's what facebook would like us to say their product is mm -hmm. if you're providing a community it's hard to create a new one because you have to build a community and if your friends are all in the other community how do you get them there and so it seems like they struggled i would also say a lot of the market i'm not a business expert but a lot of the market is already taken and so people are trying to create niche social media as they, like trump's uh is it called truth social for example trying to create a niche social media that, that works with a specific audience and it's not a general interest thing. So it's not going to attract as many people to begin with. You've got a smaller potential base and then you're adding the thing where there's this twist to it. And they're also started with uh, certain motives that may not work in practice. Like it's almost like they're experimenting, right? That's, that's how business models work. And they're experimenting, like, let's try a social media outlet that's purely based on these values. And often they don't work because it just doesn't work. It's an experiment. It's not attractive to people. All their friends are still on Facebook or yeah. Instagram. It depends on what age you are. It's kind of interesting when you talk about 
app based versus something that's on a website. Like, I mean, even in the beginning, right. When we had AOL and everybody wanted to be on aim, you know, you had to get like the CD, <laughs> you know, in the newspaper to be able to even access that. Um, and then Facebook came on, you could just like log on, but then Snapchat, it's still like app based. You can't just log on to that. Is there a difference on how people um, access social media that has proven for it to be more popular? I think generationally, you know, I think my, um, I picture my in-laws who are the boomer generation. I picture them very intentionally being like, I'm going to get on to the computer now and I'm going to use the computer to do social media. Whereas like my students, these Gen Zers, it is seamless. Like they're talking to you you're having a conversation, they're taking out their phone, they're sending a snap, they're continuing to talk to you. There's no thought as to what they're doing. It's just like breathing to them. And so I think it might be mostly, your question is mostly just generational. Like it's just so seamless to slip in and, and maybe the next generation will seamlessly slip into the metaverse and not even think the fact that they're leaving whatever we call this for a virtual version of reality. It'll just be like, oh yeah, totally. American lawmakers have been trying for a long time to try to do some kind of regulation of social media, and they really haven't been able to, as we talked about with the First Amendment. What is Europe doing and the EU? What are they doing in order to put some clamps on it? This is, I mean, this is what's so interesting to me is I'm watching two, two bills in the European Union. One is called the Digital Markets Act, and one is called the Digital Services Act, and they're not done but they're far, far along. And it seems like they'll probably happen in some form soon. Um, Europe soon, not America soon. So it could take a long time. But um, it's interesting. So uh, have you guys ever heard of the GDPR? Uh, it was passed by the European Union in 2018. And it's a law that, I mean, obviously EU does not affect American citizens. Like we are not constituents of the EU mm -hmm. at all. But the GDPR was a huge internet privacy law. It's just huge. And it made everybody who provides services in Europe, like all the social media firms that we still use too, have to follow their rules in Europe. And so they had a choice. They could comply individually with each country in Europe or in the US, but a lot of them just switched over and started following the GDPR in the US as if it was, so we benefited or we were affected by the law. I was on the Arkansas State Parks website, National Parks website, looking for campgrounds. And at the bottom, it had a GDPR mm -hmm. warning saying, we follow the privacy rules of the GDPR. Arkansas is not part of Europe. So it really shows, I mean, just for those who are not certain on that one, it really shows, you know, um, how effective. So my thought, my thinking is these two new laws that Europe is looking at, one of them would require social media firms to police their spaces much more effectively in ways... Both these laws would never fly in the U.S. because of the First Amendment. But again, just like the GDPR, like I explained, it might force the companies to change because they have to comply with Europe's law and they're just going to change their whole service, which will also benefit us or affect us. And so it's really that's what's so interesting to me is that we might see social media change quite a bit in the next couple of years because of these laws, even though nothing happened with U.S. lawmakers. How does that affect um the big four as we as we talk about uh facebook instagram you know twitter and, and TikTok. 
it would seem to me that if they start have to follow if they start to have to follow Europe's very strict guidelines on things like hate speech, mm -hmm. which is protected generally here in the U.S., um, things like extremist speech, um, people who are anti uh, anti Semitism, things like that, uh, if they have to start following Europe's rules, it's possible that those guidelines, much more strict about what's allowed and what's not, will flow over into the U.S. Private, Just like EPR did. The, the private companies that run the Facebook and Twitter, we've seen them throw certain people off of their platform mm -hmm. for providing this kind of speech. Looking to the future, into your crystal ball, Facebook is getting more into the whole, what they call metaverse, the virtual reality world. Is that where social media is going to end up? I think so. I'm kind of excited about it. I mean, I've actually never officially metaversed myself because I don't have the technology, but... I'm sure if I really wanted to, I could figure it out or my kids could explain it to me. But um, I think that's the next step. I, I mean, I'm I'm looking at my classrooms of students now and I'm wondering, is there a future where I'm here in my office, they're wherever they live, and we virtually come into a classroom, not like Zoom, but like they are, have an avatar representing who they are in the space. And they we're virtually, I mean, it's just mind-blowing and interesting. But yeah, that would seem to be the next step. But there are some technological things like people would have to have the money to buy these expensive VR headsets. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's, I think, going to slow down the process quite a bit. There's also different companies with different VR headsets that don't interface with each other. So the, your one metaverse may only be available if you own this headset, mm -hmm. whereas in another. So there's a lot of details still to be worked out that I think are barriers to that. Whereas with Facebook, it didn't matter when it came out. If you had a phone or, a you know, Apple or a Mac or, any, or, a, or a PC, you just get it right and it it seems like there absolutely could be a lot of excitement for you know creating something a new world uh, if you might you know call it that but what are some of the concerns you have with uh opening pandora's box we could just call one of the metaverses pandora's box probably yeah. so they there's so many questions about i mean it's the same questions we're having now they just intensify I was trying to explain to someone the other day. It's like right now we use social media. In the metaverse, you live, like you go in, you go to social media. The metaverse, you live in the space. You don't visit the space. You like, you don't physically, virtually physically go. That's probably not the right way to say that. But so there's all kinds of questions about how, who gets to speak there? Who's going to manage the speech there? It's the same stuff we're having now. What, like politicians having, if, if they have virtual campaign rallies, will they have a First Amendment right to speak? Um, but of course, these spaces right now are all private, so it'd be the same problems we're having now, uh, where people could be removed from the spaces. Um, there's just so much money to be made in the metaverse, I, I think, because of all the sponsoring that can happen. Um, I think the closest that a lot of people have been, probably, I don't know about your listeners, but for my kids' generation has been Fortnite. And as a parent, if you've had to deal with Fortnite, it is the most difficult part of parenting. It's the most addictive game. I have three sons. Um, but anyway, I, that's the closest we've come to the metaverse where people go into that space, they purchase, uh, how they're going to look and, you know, and live in that space. Ariana Grande had a concert, a virtual concert on Fortnite mm -hmm. where people, she was uh, virtually there and the people were virtually there. That's the closest I think a lot of people. Can. You know, they talk about social media bringing people together, but there's study after study that show that the more you're on social media, the the more lonely you get because you're not actually interacting face to face with real people. Is this going to expand even further? Yeah, I mean, there's 
a lot of studies that say we are lonelier now than we've ever been. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting because, yeah, we're also more connected. We have more access to people than we ever did before. There's a lot of research that says that this, the way that we communicate online doesn't create the same kind of uh, relationships, the same kind of connections. We have less um, just trust. Mm-hmm. Um, we empathize less, and that makes us act. And also the social media spaces encourage us to act extremely, right? The more extreme you act, the more you perform, just like being the class clown, the more attention you get, that attention might mean that you're kind of a jerk, but you're still getting the attention, which makes your, your whatever we want to call posts, tweets, videos, whatever they are, your TikToks, whatever they are, make they go up in the algorithm. You're beating the system. And so, yeah, we're more lonely than we've ever been. Uh, it's just, it's interesting that it's, we are moving more and more into it, but we don't have in-person community is still the best way to feel fulfilled in human relationships. Yeah, it's interesting. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh.